The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Been waiting for this day for a long time, Brother Dave. So when I sat down to start writing this sermon, it just kept going and going and going. And so since we don't want to be here all day and have someone fall asleep, we are going to pass out a translation in, in Spanish. Vamos a repartir una traducción en español para que no estemos aquí todo el día y se duermen. Voy a predicar más o menos en inglés y si tienen preguntas sobre vocabulario, pueden pedir una traducción ahorita. ¿Está bien? Entonces, la traducción del sermón está en la hoja verde. We'll give them a minute to pass that out. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Clickbait, you know, I think it's all all of us have experienced it, and so we know what it looks like. Maybe you're scrolling through your Facebook feed, you know, and you see this grown man embracing an African lion, and then there's this article, the headline says, man hugs African lion, you're not going to believe what happens next. You've seen these, right? This is what you call clickbait. And the Minnesotan in me says, this is the technology people treating us like we're fishing on one of those 10,000 great lakes. You know, that's why we call it clickbait. When you asked me, Pastor Dave, to preach on David and Goliath, I thought, you know, that's the Christian version, at least it's become that way, of clickbait. I'm serious. Of all the biblical stories that are out there, this has got to be the one of the most secularized and sanitized of all the stories out there. This has been redone and retold by people from as, ver- as diverse a-, a crowd as Veggie Tales, all the way to the New York Times best-selling author, Malcolm Gladwell. In fact, just two years ago, he put out a book called David and Goliath. And here's the clickbait part. This is how they publicized that book. This is how they marketed it. it said, 3,000 years ago on a battlefield in ancient Palestine, a shepherd boy felled a mighty warrior with nothing more than a pebble. David and Goliath draws upon history, psychology, and powerful storytelling to reshape the way we think of the world around us. Now, do you see any problem with that? You know, maybe the most obvious one is this one. It wasn't a pebble, was it? (laughs) We know that a pebble doesn't take down a giant. In fact, it was probably more like a little larger than a baseball that he threw out of that sling. But there's more problems than that, isn't there, with that little uh, 
clickbait. You know who's missing? God. God is missing. You know who else is missing? God's people. Because for some reason along the line, we started calling this the story of David and Goliath, but this is not the story of David and Goliath, not at all. This is the story of Goliath and God's people. And that's not really a nice story to think about, is it? Because this is what happens day after day after day. This is the story of Goliath and God's people. So Goliath comes out and he says to the people day after day after day, he shouts across the valley, first of all, give me a man and let us fight each other, he said. And you know what the people of God did? They looked at that giant who was nine feet, nine inches tall, covered from head to toe with armor, with a spear bigger than anyone has ever seen, and they cowered. And it gets worse as the days go by, right? <laughs> we know this, like he stops shouting from across the valley and he advances so close to them that their lines actually begin to break. This is not the story of David and Goliath. Well before it's the story of David and Goliath, this is the story of Goliath and God's people, and it is not a pretty story. There's a part of me that wishes that just one person would have stepped forward. There's a part of me that, that King Saul, who was the obvious choice, right? He's a, a head taller than all the other Israelites. He had the best armor and the best training. There's a part of me that he would have stepped forward, that at least one of the Israelites would have drawn a line in the stand and, pull, and, and pulled a brave heart, right? that he would have gotten up on his horse and he said, this is where it ends. Freedom. We fight for our God. We fight for our families. And we fight for our land. But there was no one. Not a single person who would step forward and fight Goliath. That's the story of Goliath and God's people. And I get it. I, I get it. I understand full well why Malcolm Gladwell and VeggieTales don't want to think about that. Because they would rather sit there and tell you, you can do it yourself. That if you just try hard enough, that if you would just believe like David did, you can pull that stone out of your pocket and with one try, you can knock that giant down. You can be a giant slater. That's a sexy message, isn't it? But that's not what this story is about. This story is about a people of God so frightened that they could not save themselves. And that's maybe the first reason why I'm here today. The first reason why I'm here today is to make sure to tell all of you, and especially you today, that story. The story of Goliath and God's people. 
Because trust me when I say it, I've been there. There's going to be a day, Pastor Dave, Katie, where are you? She's taking care of kids, right? That's such a faithful wife. That you're going to look up at the Empire State Building and you're going to say, what am I doing here? This is a place where they throw trash cans through church windows. This is one of the most expensive cities in the United States. You're going to look around and say, why in the world am I shoving my family into this three-bedroom that should probably really be a two-bedroom? And why am I paying this outrageous rent? And we haven't even started to talk about ministry yet, have we? We haven't even started to talk about the challenges of reaching out to a city that sometimes seems like it could care less about the gospel. Because we all know what's happening in Manhattan right now. There are no heroes in this part of the story. There's only a people of God that is waiting for 40 days for a man from Bethlehem to show up and bail them out. That's where the rest of the story begins, though, right? That's where the story of David and Goliath begins, and it's an amazing story if you think about it. I mean, here's this young shepherd boy who just sort of shows up, and he's galled at the blasphemy. How dare Goliath talk about my God that way? He's amazing, right? What a faith. And then, and this is where it gets really interesting, he charges Goliath, and this is what the narrator says. He actually gets very graphic. So I want to just read this to you. This is what he says. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell plop face down on the ground. And I want to just think about that scripture with you for just a minute. I mean, the scriptures don't get that graphic. This is the verbal equivalent of taking a camera and slowing it down. This is slow motion. And not only slowing it down, it is zooming in, okay? Because what it says is the stone sank into his head. That's graphic stuff. I mean, if you think about it, at the crucifixion, the evangelists don't do that, do they? They don't say, let's look, let's zoom in on the nails going into the hands, and they sink into the cross, and it's a bloody mess, right? They don't do that. There's no graphic detail like that, but here there is. And I think we need to think about that. But it's not just that, because what happens next is David walks over to the now unconscious Goliath. In an amazing, ironic twist, he takes Goliath's own sword, and the very next thing he does is shish kebabs him. And then right after that, he chops off his head, picks that bloody head up, and holds it. I mean, that's graphic stuff. This is rated R kind of stuff, and we need to think about that. Why does God include it? We have to say this, right? It's not that God enjoys the gory details. And it's certainly not the fact that this is the beginning of some twisted and ugly and awful kind of Christian jihad. It's not that either. So we need to think about this from the perspective of the people of God. 
If David wouldn't have shishkebobbed Goliath and chopped off his head, would they have known that he was dead? No, right? David did that so that they would know that their enemy was completely and utterly destroyed. He's not passed out, right? He's not going to get up in a few seconds. He's dead, and David's got his head in his hands. In fact, this is what happens once they see that their enemy is completely and utterly destroyed. It says, then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout. So this is what God's people needed. God's people needed a man from Bethlehem to come from off the scene and to completely and utterly destroy their enemies. And you know what they did right after that? They surged. Now I think you can see where I'm going now, right? See what this story's about? This is a story about a people of God who were terrified and humiliated for 40 days. This is a story about a people of God who could not help themselves. This is a story about a people of God who needed someone to come from Bethlehem and vicariously rescue them. And this is a story about a people of God who when they saw in every graphic detail their utter enemy completely destroyed, they surged. And that's what I want for you today, Pastor Dave. I want you to surge. It's what I want for all of you, Sure Foundation. I want you to surge. And there's only one way that we're going to do that. We need to know that our enemies are completely and utterly and graphically destroyed. And I think the narrator knows that because this is really interesting, and I don't mean to get graphic for all the kids out there, but this is in the story. But did you notice where David takes the bloody head? This is what he does. It says, David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. You know why he did that? Jerusalem wasn't conquered yet. The Jebusites were still in there. So he was saying, Jebusites, I'm bringing the fight to you. But I think it's more than that. I think it's more than that. I think that there's another David and another man from Bethlehem that is going to bring the fight to Jerusalem. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus went and brought that fight, didn't he? He sank. He sank into sin. He sank into death all the way to an empty tomb. And then he got back up again. And he stood over that empty tomb and he declared, that there is life for all who believe in my name, and there is forgiveness of sins for you all. So that we would know 
that our greatest enemies, sin, death, and the devil, are utterly, utterly vanquished. And so I think we need to see that today, right? I think we need to see in every graphic detail our Lord Jesus Christ walk right back out of the tomb because you know what I think what happens next? I think you surge. And I think everyone here surges right behind you. That's what this story's about. Pastor Dave, brother in Christ, the man from Bethlehem has already taken down our Goliath. You don't have to be a hero. I think maybe you've tried to be a hero in the past. You don't have to be a hero here. We already have one. Surge. People of God, we have one who has defeated our greatest enemies. And now God has given us this gift. Follow him. And then it's not Christian clickbait anymore. Not anymore. Because there was a man from Bethlehem who dies and rises from the dead, forgiving sins and promising life in his name. And there's a headline that says right next to that, you're not going to believe what happens next. The people searched. Amen. Amen.